Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we're excited this week, as we are each week, because we always pick something we love to talk about. But this is a big one, just like last week's was a big one. There, uh, arguably, uh, obviously you guys don't know what's coming, but everything's going to be a big one. Right, I know, it's <laughs> I mean, true. Really, they're, they're all big ones. Come on, it's the 90s, but or 80s and 90s. 80s and me. 90s, yeah, and I think, but I think this one's special because this is one that our listeners slash listeners who've become our friends yes. over the past almost two years, we're coming Crazy. up on two years, I know. Uh, this is one they've really wanted us to do. They've brought it up. Yeah. Uh, over, I know, last year for Spooky Season. Yeah, and we had such a, you know, we, we kind of, last year we had our lineup a little bit more planned out ahead of time, so we, we just, we knew that we didn't have a spot for it, and it's one that you want to do during October. It's, I mean, you can cover it any time, but it's, it's just true. best in October, and when we ran our poll towards the end of September this year, this one kept overwhelmingly getting brought up, so we could not ignore it. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a great one. We love it. It is Ghostbusters. Yes. From 1984. Yeah. I remember this one. This <laughs> this is another one. You know, I mentioned there's a few movies that I grew up with as a kid that when, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night, my mom would come home from the tape store. Yeah. She called mm-hmm. it, which is why we call our podcast that. Exactly. She would come home. I'm going to go to the tape store and get a tape. And she would come home with a movie. And sometimes it'd be something that me and my sister were familiar with or were excited about. And sometimes she'd just say, hey, I got this movie. Yeah, this sounds good. And there was a few specific ones that I looked at the title and was like, I don't know what this is. What the heck is this? This is ridiculous. Right. You got something I don't even know what it is. Labyrinth was one. Labyrinth was one. And and that proved you very wrong. The Goonies was another. Yeah, yeah. Never Ending Story. These are all your favorites, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the ones you thought you would not be well, into. that's the thing about them is yeah. that I was so uh, skeptical mm-hmm. initially and ended up watching them all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Ghostbusters is one. I remember looking at the side of the tape and being like, what the heck's Ghostbusters? And mom's like, oh, it's good. You're going to love it. Now, by this point, I was about seven or eight years old. Right. So it was a while after it had come out. It had been out a few years. So my mom knew... Yeah, she you probably know. remembered the trailers and things, you know, when and, it came out oh, yeah, and stuff. She, and she had seen the movie. Yeah. She's like, you're going to love it. It's about these guys that go around and, like, catch ghosts. And I was like, okay. And, man, as soon as I, as soon as she put it in, I started watching yeah. it. I was hooked. Pulled in. Which is an interesting thing about Ghostbusters because one of the things, and I have to, I, I didn't think I'd reference it. I didn't think I'd reference this so soon. But our good friend and listener, Steve... Is a huge Ghostbusters fan. Yes. We have a few huge Ghostbusters fans. Jordan is another one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Steve particularly, though, sent us an email. He wrote these things down just saying, hey, here's some, some notes I took. And he and I'd like to point out, he was on duty when he did this. He was basically like at work, and he did this for us so that we could have some awesome tidbits to look at. So thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, because he put some great stuff in here, and... I can't wait to really get to some of this other stuff he right, put because yeah. one of the things he wrote, and I'm going to talk about it eventually. I was like, "Oh, I was already thinking that," you know. <laughs> so that's great. So we were right online. So it's, yeah, Steve, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Hope you're doing great. Hope you're listening. We appreciate you. Um, but yeah, so he mentions uh, at one point uh, in in his notes, he talks about how Ghostbusters was not really expected to be something 
for kids. Right. You know, and, and you got to think that just it's to, really not like well, in some ways. Well, just to give you the cast, um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts and William Atherton. I want to go back and talk about Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Yeah. These guys were like the kings of 80s comedy. Oh, yeah. And, oh, they, yeah. and they didn't do stuff for kids. You know? Right, and if if you listen to the dialogue, a lot of, really a lot of it's not for kids. But we all know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, <laughs> we watched kind of whatever we wanted. It was yeah, just, but, it was just a different time. But if you were a kid in the eighties, you knew what Ghostbusters was. Yeah, oh I yeah, mean, you loved it. Absolutely. I mean, th- this film spawned a uh, Wikipedia called it a cultural phenomenon. It's true. Yeah. Uh, here's what uh, Steve said in his notes. Uh, this film was originally intended for an adult audience. The cast and crew were surprised to find that children loved the film as a fun fantasy adventure of scientists battling supernatural threats with cool backpack weapons. Uh, led to a cartoon spinoff, The Real Ghostbusters, in 1986. A sequel, Ghostbusters 2, in 1989. Yes, we will cover that. Uh, Prince Vigo. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it, it play, uh, the, the, the things that came afterward played down the uh, film's adult elements, like smoking, uh, as we know. I mean, right. at the end of the film... You know, Ray pops a cigarette. Well, all throughout the film, you know, they're they're yeah. they're kind of kicking back with cigarettes and. Oh yeah, but but that iconic at the end, he just puts that cigarette. Oh in. It's yeah, like they did it, it's you know. perfect. But they are smoking throughout the film. But so, which which again was something we were used to seeing in films. As or, I mean, I remember always, you know, everyone oh, yeah. was always smoking, so that wasn't a big deal. But yeah, so it's true though. This this they were not expecting this to be like so appealing to children. Yeah, yeah. I loved this movie. Love now I didn't movie. see it as a kid. Well, I saw it. I think as an older kid. You know when it would come on TV and stuff. But my mom was a little wary of spooky stuff, which right. we've talked about before. So I had to kind of. This is one that I kind of had to sneak uh, peeks at. Yeah, th- this movie is the perfect uh, balance of what is. Well, I mentioned this actually mm-hmm. when we talked about the first Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Now that came out in 1990. Right. So some six years after Ghostbusters, but. It still has that same kind of feel. Well, it, it it's it's the the perfect balance of comedy and fun with a real sense of peril. Right, and in this case, it's a it's horror mixed yeah. with comedy. Yeah, but so, so you have. I mean, look, these guys: Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis. These guys are hilarious. Yes, I mean, Bill Murray is like at his finest. He is so funny in this. In this I movie. forgot. Yeah. how funny he like, was. He makes me laugh out loud all through yeah. this movie. <laughs> so you have that, but then you have this real sense of peril. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's scary in places. Yeah, so it, it's it, it's the perfect balance. Yeah, which is why I love it so much. It's like you have these moments where you can laugh mm-hmm. but then you have these moments where you're like oh no you know yeah yeah so yeah. I love I'm, 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 you can't see but I'm smiling so big I'm like yes, yes. so it's not a total it's joke it's so fun so it's not a total joke but it's also not like you know so dark right which, which I think is why it appealed to kids I mean I remember my neighbors growing up they loved Ghostbusters and they were I grew up with, with three boys and we had like the rule of the roost of our of our neighborhood, and they they loved Ghostbusters. I did too, but I wasn't allowed to see it, so I didn't. I could. I kind of had to like pretend I knew what they were talking about. Right. But watching it now, I'm like, this is this is just a good movie. I mean, yes, it's fun and it's spooky. No, but it is. It's a good movie. It has everything. Yeah, it was directed by Ivan Reitman. That's uh, R E I T M A N. I always wonder if I'm saying these guys. Reitman, Reitman. 
yeah, name wrong. It's either Reitman or Reitman. And, you know, he's no joke as far as a director goes. Um, he ha- he did Ghostbusters, of course. Uh, also did Ghostbusters 2. Uh, he did Meatballs in 1979, Stripes in 81. He did Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Twins, which was, eh, I mean, it's it's a fun watch. We should, <laughs> I love honestly, that movie, though. We should, honestly, he did Kindergarten Cop, though, which oh, come on. is one of Arnold's best movies. Oh, come on. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so he, he's he's done some good stuff. Yeah, he's got a good he's got a good rap sheet. Yeah, it was released on June eighth, nineteen eighty four. So summer release in the mid eighties. And let's go right into the film here. Uh, we open on the New York Public Library in the, in New York City. Obviously, yes, it's a normal day, but based on the music we're listening to, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the score. They're setting the mood. Yeah, something's going on. Mm-hmm. A librarian's doing her job like she would any other day. Um, she's kind of, uh, she's she's on the main floor, and then she goes, like, downstairs to, yeah. like, put some books up or something. And we start seeing... To the archives or whatever. And it's so cool. There's no, there's no preparation for it. No. Book, books just start floating from shelf to shelf. And she doesn't notice it, but you're like, oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's happening it already. Happens, there's no buildup. It happens right away. Which is great because usually a film with any kind of horror base, it, there's going to be some build. Up. There, there's always a some, they give you something in the beginning, right. but usually there's a little build up. And I love that this just happened right away. Yeah, once again, something that in a lot of ways was was big in the eighties and nineties. It was like let's just get into this thing. And know? I love that. Give uh, me the shock value. She continues on past the card catalogs. She's still downstairs. No one's around. And the card catalogs begin opening by themselves and start shooting out cards. And she sees this, runs away screaming, running down aisles of books, turns a corner and sees something horrifying and screams. And we see you know, Ghostbusters. Yes. We see the. Or as if you've watched our, story, our stories, you'll know our daughter who uh, has a Ghostbuster shirt because, of course, she does. Um, right. She, I asked her, "What does this mean?" She goes, "It means no ghosts." So, to yeah. her, this movie is called No Ghosts because she knows the circle. She with knows the, line. That's <laughs> the, the red u- circle. The, the line means the, the, we yeah. don't want this. That's the universal symbol for no. Yeah. No. So she's like, "Oh, it's no ghosts." So right. we know we're about to watch No Ghosts. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we're in right, uh, and and we go right on to meeting the who would become the Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, the first one we meet is Peter Venkman. This is Bill Murray. Uh, He's doing an experiment with these two people. One's a, a, a young man, uh, looks like a, around college age. Yeah. The other one is an attractive young lady. With bl- beautiful 80s hair. Yeah. And the experiment is he's he's holding these cards up and asking them to guess what the symbol on the card is. It's like, On the other side. On the other side. And um, he's totally pulling one over on these, mm-hmm. these people. Oh, yeah. The guy actually gets like one right. Yeah, he does. He gets one right, yeah, at least. Yeah, but, but when he gets when he whenever he gets one wrong, he shot uh, Peter Venkman shocks him. Right. He's like hooked up to some machine. Yeah. And the girl is getting them all wrong, and he's telling her she's getting them right. Right. So like, that's five out of five. If yeah. you're watching it for the first time, you're thinking this guy's a hack. Well, he is. Right. He that, is, that, but he isn't. He's not. But he. You're you know right. What I mean, like no, he, no. he. He. I see more, where we're going. He, yeah, he's more about like like. Again, Peter I haven't the, seen this in years, so in my in my head, I was like, "Golly, like I know he's not a hack." But I'm like, "He's no, a hack." He is. Peter's a good scientist that doesn't. But he's interested in immediate reward. 
not so much well, he's just, the science and the pursuit he's, of it. He loves the ladies. He does. He does. Uh, he obviously just kind of does what he wants. Yeah. He doesn't really, I don't want to say he doesn't care. He's interesting. He's an interesting he's case. He's an interesting case. But here's the thing. Peter is a great scientist. Right. He just doesn't. He just he just doesn't choose to behave like a good scientist, right? Like he that's, that's he's I'm trying I'm trying to think of someone to compare him to. Maybe as we talk, I will. But he has all the makings of a great scientist, but he is so much more interested in his in, immediate pleasure. Right there, you go. So he has it all, but he like like there's a you know he's not the the scientist that's devoted his life to finding the meaning of ABC. He's kind of like yeah. oh I could I could do that I could right, but I I'd, I'd really love to go on a date with this girl. That's it. So I'm going to yeah. do that, and this stuff can wait. <laughs> but we're going to find later in the film... There's a moment. Y- yeah, what... Just, there's a few moments, but there's for but, me, there was a moment when I was like, oh, okay. Okay, he's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, actually, right, right, he right. actually is good at this. Right, but like he made me mad at first. Not mad, but yeah. I was like, no, come on, man. So, like, yeah, so he's just really into putting the moves on this girl. Yeah. And Bit the, of a Byronic hero. He shocks the dude a few times. He ends up getting mad and leaves. As he should. And... Peter goes and sits down, starts kind of putting the moves on this young lady, and Ray busts in. Ray Stance. This is Dan Aykroyd. Right. Who has, who absolutely is he, seeking, pursuing. Yeah, he is that. This, yeah, he's, right. the, if, if, whatever we described about, about. Um, what Peter isn't. Peter isn't, absolutely Stance is. Right. Ray is ecstatic because there's been a sighting of what he calls a, quote, free-floating, full-torso, vaporous apparition. It's what we call ghosts. Right. Peter wants him to go away, but Ray is impassioned. He's undaunted. He's like, we got to go. He doesn't care about this young lady here because that's not, that's not in his purview. No, no. He's actually serious about what he's doing. Right. He's devoted and Peter's not. To Peter's it. not serious. Uh, at the library, when they get there, Peter and Ray, we meet Egon, who is also almost even more. I can't explain it, but I absolutely adore Egon. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is about he, him. I love him. Yeah. He's precious. <laughs> yeah, we, and this is Harold Ramis. <laughs> yes. Who uh, also Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis wrote the story. Excellent. Yeah. And Egon's already doing readings. He's he's taking things just as seriously as Ray does. Uh, they, yeah, he says in the, I'm always serious. Yeah. In the film, he's like, I'm always serious. They question the librarian. Ray and Egon are listening. Peter's not taking any of it seriously. He's asking her silly questions. He's, you know, he, he just is not in it. No. Uh, but they they do leave the librarian. You know, Peter goes. He 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 is along for the ride, though. Right, or so it seems. Yes. But Egon picks up movement with his PKE meter, which is the first of several cool Ghostbuster gadgets. We'll see. It's this. It, it's like a. Uh, it, I'm trying to think of what it looks like. It, it's got a handle with like a a little screen and, and these two little antennas. It's that like pop a up. remote control, but like not like more right. than that. It has a screen. Yeah, it has the I screen. I love the PKE meter. I always wanted something like that. And they sell know? these things now. Like, yeah, I know they sell toys of them. I remember I watched. <laughs> I, I watched Toby eye one for like a long time at Walmart. He was like, and I should have. Should got I it. get this? I should have. When, <laughs> when I was watching the movie, I was like, I should have got it. <laughs> so anyway, so so. But but again, going to the gadgets and the toys. I mean, this is I had the figures. Oh you know, yeah, I had oh, the, yeah. Of course, the, the figures that came out were from the real Ghostbusters cartoon. I had the figures. Yes, man, my I, neighbors had them. Yeah, you know, I wanted a proton pack. I mean, I never got that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wanted the proton pack and the trap and all that. You oh, know, yeah. um, but you know that stuff was you know could, a could, pricey. Could, couldn't have it all. But anyway, they they go on 
downstairs where the phenomenon took place. And they find books oddly stacked. They find the card catalog covered in slime, which is what Ray calls, or Egon, or Ray, I'm not sure which one named it, but it's ectoplasmic residue. Remember the ecto I was just, gosh dang it. I was literally about to yeah. say, this ma- This movie made me want to drink one even though I hated them. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. I, they tasted too sweet to me, but like I but I loved the aesthetic of yeah. having the ecto-coolers. Oh, man. If we're fine, I, th- I thought they don't re-released they, didn't them. They, I was going to say, didn't they re-release We should get some. I don't know. Just well, for old time With thing. the new Ghostbusters movie, you know, Afterlife coming out. Oh, yeah. I think they're, they're going to come back. They have to be if they're not already. Well, because the 90s are already cool. Like, all our students wear, like, 90s attire. Yeah. So, it's going to come back. So, they continue on, and there it is. I mean, they turn a corner, and, and there it is, floating in the in this downstairs library area, uh, is the ghost of a woman. Looks like an old librarian. Looks like a librarian, yeah. Yeah. Reading a book. The quiet librarian, if you will. Yeah. Peter decides to speak to it, which... Um, yeah, immediate- like, go, like, we should talk to it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ghost shushes him. She goes, shh. Very on brand for a librarian. Yeah. But Ray has a plan. I was like, okay, well, if we can't just talk to it normally, let's see if we can get some kind of reaction out of it, I guess. They approach the ghost. He's like, I've got an idea, guys. And Ray, <laughs> Ray screams, get her. He's get her. <laughs> no, it's a ghost. What are you going to get? So then it turns into, it goes from being this, like, looks like a librarian from like the 1800s. Yeah. Um, wearing like this old, old-timey dress or something, like Victorian or something. Yeah, she got her hair pinned up, all that. To and she turns into this menacing, monstrous creature yeah. that's still a ghost, but coming at them, yeah, which is likely what the old librarian saw, probably, yeah. And the Ghostbusters flee the library. I mean, they're out of there. Yeah, so, so first, gone. first, uh, first encounter with the ghost, they run like any other person would, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. well, because they lead us to believe that up to this point they've not fully encountered anything like this. No, they've they've, they've wanted to, but they haven't. But yet. now they've they've been able to engage one. And it's very brief and, and not doesn't go well. No. Egon and Ray are ecstatic, though. Not only have they seen a ghost, but Egon surmises uh, that, especially with the presence of the goo, yeah. the slime, that they could catch one because there's some kind of physicality, that right. some kind of physical, tangible... There's a physical element to them. Matter, yeah. So they could catch it. They return to the campus of the university they teach at, which, I have to go back to Steve's notes here, uh, was filmed at Columbia University. Cool. Columbia agreed to let them use their campus. That's what Steve's telling us. Uh, as long as they didn't mention Columbia University by name, right? So good it's, publicity. It's only referred to as the university. So these, so Egon, Ray, and Peter are professors here, and they get back, but they find that not only are they being dismissed, but their grants are being terminated. The dean particularly singles out Vinkman. Uh, and calls uh, calling him a poor scientist uh, who sees his studies as a hustle, mm. and that's true. It's true. It is true. He is. It's he. He's he's at fault. For La- this. Yeah. And later on, we see Peter and Ray hanging out, and Peter's getting drunk, and Ray. But but he's telling Ray, hey, you know, he's on to the next thing, though. Peter yeah. is. He's on to the next thing. Life has given them a chance to do something on their own. They just need money. Right. We then get a get a quick shot of them at the bank with Ray coming out saying, you know. I inherited that house from my parents, Golly. so they get the money by, I guess, selling off this house that Ray had inherited, and they use it to to purchase a place to do research, and this is the old firehouse. This right. is the iconic old firehouse with the pole. Uh, it, it is an actual building uh, in New York City, uh, and it, it's I think it's still there. It's called the, um, 
I have to look it up now. It's called the Ghostbusters headquarters is what I'm going to Google real quick, guys, if you can bear with me. Ghostbusters HQ in New York. Gosh, it's amazing that we can do this now. I know. I, I don't know why I'm thinking about like how you can just look so <laughs> Yeah, it's a Firehouse Hook and Ladder Company 8. It is a fire station located at 14 Northmore Street and has an intersection with Varick Street in the Tribeca neighborhood of Manhattan. Very cool. And, you know, this is a moment where we kind of see why the team works the way it works because we've got Ray, who's, I'd say, the heart of the team. Yeah, that goes... Yes, go ahead. Yeah, and he, he you know, he, he has the drive. He has the... He has the um, enthusiasm. The passion. Yeah, the passion, the passion for it. Um, we've got Peter, who is... He's so... He's so uh, what's the word? Um, charismatic. He can yes. He can get people to do what he wants. I don't want to say manipulative. I mean, he can be manipulative, but it's it. He's he's fun. He's funny, and he's he's good with people. Where Ray, where Ray and Egon, I think no, they're so, they're so in their heads. Yeah, and Egon is clearly he's the man in the. I mean, he's, he's the man in the chair, but he's also out he, there. Yeah, he's also out there. He's the brain. Yeah, he's the brain, but Ray's the heart. And uh, Peter is the Accor- face. According to Steve, yeah, the face or the mouth. Yeah, he's the mouth. But and Peter really is the face. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he is because he's the front man. He can yeah. he can make the speeches. They really do all serve a very important function. So you see, like, okay, these are three unlikely dudes, but they yes. they make a great unit. And as we know, the Ghostbusters is a foursome. Yes, and right. you know we, we haven't gotten, we, to well, we haven't gotten to Winston <laughs> yet, but I love Winston. We're going to absolutely too. talk about why we love Winston and why yes. he's important, but. Uh, obviously, it starts with these three um, because they're all these colleagues. And Steve said the same thing uh, about, he said Ray was the heart. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. He said Egon's the brain. And he said Peter was the mouth. I have not yet looked at those notes, so that's kind of crazy. Yeah, Steve, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We're on the same page, bro. And, and he's going to get, uh, he mentioned Winston as well. And we're going to get to him because that was what, when we get to Winston... I'm gonna t- who, who's played by actor Ernie Hudson, great actor. Love him. I, I'm gonna talk about and he, who is gonna be back as well in the yeah, next Ghost yeah. Busters movie. But oh, is he really mm-hmm. cool? So what what that was where I really uh, what Steve said, what he said about Winston was what really resonated with me. Yes, yes. Before I'd even read his notes, I was like, that's exactly why I love Winston. Mm-hmm. So we're we'll gonna get, get we're gonna get to Winston. <laughs> we'll you know? get there. So uh, yeah. Now, so they're in the old firehouse. Again, Ray loves it because, you know, they're doing something. They're doing something. They're finally out on their own. And they're going to do... He's got a fire pole. Yeah. He's very excited about this. He's like a kid. Uh, Egon's concerned about the the buildings, like the... the, 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 the yeah, the, the structural integrity. Yeah. But Peter just says, we'll take it. Again, yeah. Peter's the mouth. He's the face. He tur- He's the one dealing with the guy. He's like, we'll take it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we leave the Ghostbusters for a little bit. Because we are about to meet Dana Barrett. So, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Don't have to say anything about her. Yeah, forget it. She's yeah. amazing. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, love seeing her in, in everything and anything. Yeah. Uh, it's a normal day for Dana Barrett. She gets out of a cab, you know, just, she's, she's a She's new, got her groceries. Yeah. And she also has her cello. Yes. She's a musician. But she just seems like a person who's just living her life in New York, doing her thing. Lives in a nice apartment, though. Yeah. Has a mousy, socially awkward, but kind neighbor yeah, he's named sweet. Lewis Tully. This is Rick Moranis. Who we adore. Yeah, love Rick like, Moranis. Just as a collective humanity, we all love Rick yeah. Moranis. And to go back to Steve's notes, I- I'm glad I'm able to, you know, 
I, I thought I, I was worried. I was like, oh, he, he gave us so much. I'd be, you know, no, it's, it's, it's all coming back to yeah. me. <laughs> uh, the part of Lewis Tully was originally offered to John Candy. Oh, my gracious. Okay. So I can see. I, I, yeah, because he was he was big, but it didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen because John Candy had some ideas for Lewis that didn't really resonate mm, with the director. OK, and this is what Steve was putting in his notes. He wanted uh, Lewis to speak like in a German accent and have dogs and. Uh, be, I guess they just thought that was a lot. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, so no, Rick Moranis is perfect. Rick Moranis is perfect, and and Lewis is great in the first, and he's great in the second movie too. I love him more <laughs> honestly in the second movie. Um, I want to talk about casting for a minute. Yeah, because uh, I want to talk about a few people that were considered for these roles because the people that got him weren't the only people that were uh, considered. Uh, which you know, and when you when you read this, you, you immediately put these actors in these roles and you're like you think of what would have been now listen let me preface this by saying <laughs> the ghostbusters are bill murray dan Aykroyd, harold ramis and ernie hudson yeah period i can't imagine you know i, I wouldn't want anyone else no, no but no, no. but it's fun to imagine how it would have been <laughs> uh when you think about you know who could have been cast in these roles for um for peter venkman michael keaton oh my gracious chevy chase <laughs> Which I, I couldn't see Chevy Chase. Michael Keaton, I could totally Michael see. see. Michael Keaton, I could see. Tom Hanks, I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin Williams, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg, who you I love. I love him. You love Steve I adore Gutenberg. him. I, I think I could have seen Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, good yeah. Peter Venkman. I could. And Richard Pryor were considered. Oh, wow. Oh, he's yeah. funny. Well, you know, he's oh, great. he's funny. Now let's talk about Egon. Yes. Christopher Walken. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. could see it. John Lithgow, who I love, I don't know about his Egon. Uh, I mean, he he's a phenomenal actor for sure. I think I think you throw anything at him, he'd be fine. But. Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, oh god, absolutely. Don't even talk about it. Don't even <laughs> talk to me about it. Jeff Goldblum, I adore him. He could have been. He would have been a great Egon too. I mean, again, he, Harold Ramis again. Is I, Egon. I would, yeah. Like I said, like like I would never trade any of them, but. But you Goldblum, no, Goldblum would have been so funny. He could have played Venkman though too. He, uh, but, <laughs> he could play but, anybody. But I, I, I definitely when when I saw but he him, has that look though. He has that well, tall, he, skinny, glasses, kind of nerdy look. Yeah, I just I thought that of all those, I was like, if there's anyone that I could have been like, let me let me just see what it would have been like. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I think I would have had the most fun watching Jeff Goldblum as Egon. Absolutely, just because it's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. For Winston, before uh, Ernie Hudson, of course, got the job, but uh, Eddie Murphy was considered. I think uh, it might have been a little distracting. Been, yeah, I think it might have been a little distracting because Winston is like perfect. Uh, Ernie Hudson is perfect for Winston. He really is. You I know. I I mean, like I said, Eddie Murphy's great, but I don't think I would have. Well, because he was Eddie Murphy had such star power. Eddie right? Murphy would have been Eddie Murphy. He wouldn't have been a yeah. character. And I'm going to talk about why it was important that Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Why his portrayal of Winston was so important okay. for the character, and that connects with what Steve said. But anyway, I just want to talk about that. That's it might be fun. Something that you yeah, guys didn't know. Just it's fun to imagine, you know. So, some that's some great some great choices there. Yeah. It, oh yeah, definitely. So Lewis Tully, Rick Moranis, is Dana's neighbor, and again, he's this little kind of. He has a sweatsuit on when we first meet him. He thinks it's he's like high watered. He just thinks he's got it all together. He's bless him. I love him. You know, but he really, really is nice. Like he's really nice. Uh, the first sign that something's wrong, though, is when uh, Lewis 
tells Dana that he rece- that, that that someone complained on her about her TV being on too loud. And she said, yeah, well, that's like, weird. You really shouldn't leave your TV on because, you know, you got to complain. And so I turned mine on, too. And yeah, like, that just shows how nice he is. He <laughs> he's turned nice, his on. a little bit intrusive, awkward, yeah, but, but nice. But, but he turned his TV on so Dana wouldn't be the only one to get in trouble. So that's just a nice dude. But yeah, Dana, he, he means incredibly but well. But Dana didn't turn her TV on. She's like, I didn't leave it on. So, so that's kind of the first... You know, especially hindsight being 2020 with what happens with Dana. It's right. like, okay, this was... Well, this and was, it's also, it's also high, again, like you said, it's it's it makes sense that we meet Dana and then right on her heels, we meet Tully. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dana gets settled in her apartment. Uh, we see a Ghostbusters commercial come on, so they're putting themselves out there. Which uh, she kind of like is like, huh. She's kind of like, okay, yeah. Whatever. She takes out her groceries and then something really... Ex- and there's always celery. Yeah. I always know, I told Toby, yeah. I said, every there's every 80s movie that's set in like New York or, some, or somewhere like metropolitan area, anytime there's the paper bag groceries, you see some greenery. Some greenery, yeah. Sticking, sticking out sticking of out. it. That's so goofy. And I'm like, why? Y'all, I know y'all don't buy celery like that. And nobody cares. Yeah, I, y'all I've never know. cared. Margaret. You put them in those little plastic bags and you spin it. Yeah, and yeah. And you put it in your... You know, right. Like, <laughs> that's what I see. That's what I do, and that's what I see people do. You know, they put this like a cucumbers in there, and they spin it. Yep. And they put it in. The, but then against the eighties, you know. Well, something extraordinary happens as Dana is taking her groceries out. Uh, the eggs that she had just bought, she puts them on the counter, and they begin breaking and flying out of the carton, and they begin cooking on her counter. She then hears a growl coming out of her refrigerator. Never good. No, she opens it and sees not her refrigerator, but this massive, strange, like a world. Yeah, like landscape. Yeah. And a dog-like creature. It's like a... There's these big hulking-like dog things with horns and red eyes. They're really scary. They scared me as they a kid. They scared the crap they out of me. They gave me nightmares. Um, and it roared, and she hears the name Zul. Yeah. She screams and slams the fridge shut. Meanwhile, the Ghostbusters are continuing to set up their business. They hire a secretary, Jeannie Melnitz. This is the great Annie Potts. The voice of Bo Peep. If you don't know who she is. Yes. Um, they purchase a car, which is a 1959 Cadillac ambulance slash hearse, what is known as an end loader. Uh, and this is when Dana walks in. She's, this is clearly, obviously, in reference to um, what had happened in her apartment. Right. And she wants to talk to a Ghostbuster. Right, because she'd seen the commercial, after all. And here comes, I don't think I've seen him move this fast <laughs> throughout the movie. He pops up so quick. And just runs at full speed. <laughs> It's Peter Venkman. Yeah. Uh, sees her immediately and intercepts her. Obviously attracted to Dana. Oh, of course. And she tells the story to the Ghostbusters. They agree to take the case. And Egon wants to research Zul, which is what she mentions, you know. And Peter, of course, wants to take Dana home. Mm. Um, literally and probably figuratively. Right, right, yeah. exactly, in every sense of but the word. But in this way, he's like, I, you know, I'm going to take her home and check out her apartment and stuff. And he says, I want to check her out or something. Yeah, he's like, I want to check her out. And they're like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The scene, he takes her home, and th- this is Murray at his best. He comes in, <laughs> he's got this little box, like, ar- like, like kind of shouldered around him, yeah. this little, like, machine, and yeah. he's holding, which is connected to this this wand-looking thing he's and holding. It, and, and it reminds me of a, a thing that takes your blood pressure. Yeah, it's like, and it's, it's making noise, like, squeezes, like, yeah. It's clear that he just kind of has it. He don't. But it's clear that he's not really paying attention to anything. He's no. just kind of walking around squeezing it. And she goes, He's surveying the landscape. And this is one of my favorite quotes from the movie. Uh, Dana <laughs> asks him, like, what is that thing you have there? And he goes, it's technical. It's one of our little toys. <laughs> one of our little toys. Yeah, you know, he talks. So. He's like, I'm going to impress the socks yeah. on this girl. He flirts with Barrett. 
who says he's more like a game show host. Than and she sees through it. <laughs> yeah. She sees through it. Yeah, she's not at all like buying it uh, initially. Initially, yeah. But he gets kind of stuck in her head, you know. Uh, Peter sees the counter with the eggs. And this is the first time where I see Peter actually kind of stop and go, okay. Because uh, he just kind of stops and looks. And yeah. He kind of picks one of the eggs up. It's cooked. And he's kind of like. That's weird. He's clearly intrigued, but he's good at masking. He's good at just kind of being like, okay, you know, let's just check this. You know, he's just right. on to the next thing. He checks the fridge. It's normal. It's just Coke. And, and he's, he's still, you know, kind of being yeah. cautious. Oh, you've got all this junk food, yeah. you know. He's not getting any readings is what he tells Dana. And Dana thinks she's crazy. Then Peter just forgets about everything that ha- that's going on with the ghost stuff and goes for broke and asks her out. Right. Which she's like, you need to go, you know. Right. But here's the interesting thing. As Peter's leaving, one of the comments that Dana makes to him is, you're so odd, which tells me right then and there, I'm like... She didn't say you hate you. You're, you. you're kind of yeah. want, wanting to know what's up with this guy. Right. And he kind of stops and goes, there you go. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to solve your problem. You know, and all this stuff. He's like, you're going to wonder. He goes, he goes, no, he goes, I wonder what makes him tick. I wonder if he wonders what makes me tick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you're going to be thinking about me when I'm gone. She shuts the door. <laughs> uh, it's so great. Yeah, it's just, but it's true. That's where he kind of gets her, you know. Yeah, it's true. That night as they have dinner, you know, Peter goes back and, and you know, Peter, Egon, and Ray are having dinner. They're, they're talking about how they're running out of money when they get their first call. Melnitz, Janine, mm-hmm. takes the call, gets the address, and screams the iconic line. It gave me chills, actually. Aww. She stands up and screams, we got one! Yeah. <laughs> they suit up and take the Ecto-1. It's like all it's like painted, and, and it's got the sirens. I- yeah. yeah. They take it to the Sedgwick Hotel, where they are met by the manager of the hotel, who I initially asked for. <laughs> it's like the head butler. And I was like, I don't is know. there a head butler like of Abbey. anything ever? Suddenly Downton Abbey. Yeah. Right. Carson comes downstairs. Yeah, no, he, I don't know, the hotel manager or whatever. <laughs> and he's preparing this big dinner hall banquet room, and he's like, look, I, you know. Yeah, very, obviously a very affluent place. Yeah, like handle this very discreetly. Right. Well, um, they, 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 they head up there to the 12th floor, and on the way up, Ray is concerned, and this is important, because their equipment's never been tested. Their technology that they use to catch ghosts uses what are called nuclear accelerators, which makes them potentially incredibly dangerous. They don't right. test them. They're just like, okay. This is their this first thing. foray, so it could go great or terrible. In fact, they nearly kill a maid when they arrive on the twelfth floor. She like, you know, they, <laughs> She's they like, see what her. Are you doing? Yeah, they see her, and, and Peter Peter Bankman goes, "I'm sorry, we thought you were someone else." <laughs> they decide to split up and check the floor. Ray discovers the ghost. Another iconic moment because yeah. this is Slimer. Yes, yes. Who I go back to? Uh, who reminds me? I have to go back to Steve's notes. Because this is where, uh, on the set, Dan Aykroyd referred to the Slimer ghost as the ghost of John Belushi. <laughs> Slimer's gluttonous eating was based on Belushi's cafeteria scene in National Lampoon's Animal House. That's hilarious. So thank you again, Steve. I used to have a shirt that said college on it from yeah. uh, Animal House. So, it's Slimer. Ray attempts to catch Slimer. That's what we call it. We, we all know Slimer. He becomes yeah. a very beloved, iconic symbol of the uh, franchise. Absolutely. Ray fires his proton pack, but misses... And the ghost escapes. It phases through a wall, as in it goes through it, and encounters Peter, who Slimer just charges at him and right. flies through him, uh, flies right through him, covering him with slime. Yeah, ectoplasmic res- residue. Whatever. Ray and Egon are ecstatic. Physical contact. Yes. 
Yeah, and I love like, right. I'm covered right, in crap. Anytime something happens, right? It's like this is great. <laughs> They're such scientists. Yeah, they find the ghost again in the big, large dining hall, where this big party's coming. Right. So yeah. he's the slimer's attracted to the food. Yeah, they continue to try and trap the ghost. Egon makes another very important point, which is going to play a big role in the film later. He advises them before they attempt all four together in the right. room to trap the ghost to not cross the streams. As in the streams of energy that fire, right. fire out of their proton packs, um, that it would cause this massive destructive chain. It's caused a reverse particleization. Yeah, uh, um, just basically a massive destructive chain reaction that would kill them all. Right, if they cross their streams. So don't do that. You know, Egon says. And eventually, they are able to wrangle the ghost and trap it, and of course, in the process, completely destroy this dining. Oh, room. it's it's the whole hotel's toast. Yeah. And I love the traps. I used to, when I was a kid, <laughs> I used to get my dad's tape measures and pretend they were the ghost traps because so we, we couldn't, you know, we, we couldn't always afford to buy the toys. No, well, I mean, I know, I mean, we Just always, couldn't. you know, made up stuff. So I would, we had. I would, I would pull some tape measure out and lay it down the floor, and then I'd let it go, and it would slide back in. <laughs> and we got the ghost. That's so cute. Yeah, that's how, like, me and my cousin Michael played. That's adorable. So we, our traps would be tape measures. Uh, and they do trap the ghost, which looks like this, like a shoebox size thing. Yeah. Uh, it's got these, you know, it's an iconic, you know, if you're a ghost, it's got a handle and these two little doors at the top that open up and they got like the black and white caution. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how they, they, once they get the, once they get the ghost with the, with the proton packs, they pull it over the trap and sucks it in. So they come out with the trap and uh, Ray calls it a non, a focused non-terminal repeating phantasm. And for that job of catching Slimer, they score five grand. And the news begins to spread. And this is where we get the nice montage of them growing in popularity, getting better at their jobs. They're on the news. Larry King's talking about yeah. them. Scenes of them just catching all these ghosts. So suddenly they're massively successful. And their success results in the need to hire another Ghostbuster. Right. God, I would love that. They, I know, right? Because they're overworked. And poor Janine. And... She's she's working hard for her money too. And they get an applicant, a man named Winston Zedmore, who we love, played by actor Ernie Hudson. He shows up and is hired on the spot. He does not have a background in science, but is willing to work hard. I love Winston. Now, when I read Steve's notes and talked about raise the heart, Egon's the brain, Peter's the mouth, or in your case, the face. I think yeah, yeah the face of the group. Um, yeah, the throat man, the showman. Okay, Steve wrote down a Winston as the voice of the audience. I and love that. That is what I liked about Winston. It's true. He has no. He's a working man. He's a hardworking guy who wants. It just wants a steady job. Yeah, he's like, I'll, if it brings in money, I'll do. Yeah, because because he's being interviewed by Janine, and she's like, Do you believe in this? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in this? So, you know, poltergeist and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And he's like, Listen, if you give me a steady paycheck, I believe whatever you want. Right. But the bottom line is, uh, Winston is us. Yeah, you know, he's the everyman. Yeah, he's the everyman. He's and, and when we watch the Ghostbusters, we can connect with the Ghostbusters through Winston. That's why he's so dang important to right. the story. Mm-hmm. And 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 I understand that you know Ernie Hudson didn't have the star power of say Eddie Murphy, but I love that it was Ernie Hudson because he's just a he's just a solid guy. But I don't think we I don't think that message would have come across if it was Eddie Murphy because exactly. Eddie Murphy has his own notoriety attached and. Not that he didn't, you know, no, Ernie, uh, Hudson, yeah. Ernie Hudson didn't, but because he wasn't 
as no, big he wasn't. A name. He wasn't SNL. We, Bever- we, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. We could insert ourselves into his role and and feel yeah. a connection. Yeah, and I, that that's what I loved about yeah. about Winston is that he was again he's the everyman. He's not a scientist. He know? doesn't necessarily believe or not believe it, but he's but he'll 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 do it. He's hardworking and he's brave, and that's really what. They that's needed. all they need. That's what they needed. They had enough brain power as far as understanding the science. Right. They just need some more hands on deck. Winston had Winston's intelligent, but he's yes. intelligent as in, like for instance, I, I want to get to it. I don't want to jump ahead, <laughs> but there there is a part. Well, we'll just get to let's it wait, later. Wait, we'll okay. just wait to it yeah, later. Yeah, but, yeah. but so I don't want to say Bookmark that, that Winston's though. just this guy that just oh uh, you know he's just the hands. But Winston's smart, but it's a different kind of smart, right? And know? and at first it does seem like that. It just seems like okay, crap. He's just here, but he he we see his worth pretty quickly. Yes. Peter visits Dana after they hire Winston. Uh, Peter visits Dana and gives her some information on Zul. That you know, I guess Egon had done some research. Uh, Zul was a demigod. Worshipped by the Hittites, Sumerians, and Mesopotamians. These are real groups of people. Yes. I taught world history for a number of years. Um, the Hittites, the Sumerians, and Mesopotamians uh, came from the present-day Middle East. Yep. And um, in, in 6,000 BC, they worshipped um, Zul, who was just really a minion or a servant yeah. of a greater god, Gozer. Gozer, yeah. Unfortunately... What Peter can't tell, or the rest of the Ghostbusters, what, 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 what they unfortunately what what they can't tell Dana is exactly why this is happening in Dana's apartment. Why the name Zul's happening? Right. You know, men- mentioned, and they they don't know how the why his- she's chosen necessarily. Yeah, they don't know yeah. why the history of Zul and Gozer, why or how or what is connecting it all to Dana. Uh, but by the end of this conversation, Peter is able to score a date with Dana <laughs> on Thursday night. Because I have my notes here, and I have a whole and section it is Thursday night. dedicated to Thursday night. Thursday night's the big night uh, in, in this film. Uh, but we got a problem. Back at Ghostbusters HQ, they are visited by a man named Walter Peck. This is... Boo. I know. And this is actor William Atherton. And he is absolutely great. Yep. I hate to say that he's great for these roles. Nobody is. He really is just good in these types of roles. Just these pompous, you know, kind of. He's the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. He just. The suit that comes in and wrecks everything. Yeah. And I I, I read a little bit about his character. uh, And he, he mentioned, he goes, look, basically my approach is I don't think this is fun. I don't think they're amusing. I don't think they're funny at all. Yeah. You know. I don't like the Ghostbusters. And right. I was like, you nailed it. That's I mean, it. That's all you need for this guy. Right. He questions Peter about what they do and how their storage unit specifically, he works for the EPA, Environmental Environmental Protection Agency. So he wants to know how their storage unit for these ghosts, wh- what its deal is and how it could infect, uh, affect the environment. But he doesn't seem to be really in it because he loves the environment. He seems to be, it's more of a power political thing. Right. Uh, he's not amused by Peter. In fact, he threatens them with a court order if they don't let him investigate what's going on. This just seems like someone who is on a power trip and and sees something that he's not in control of and wants yeah. to go. He sucks the fun and yeah. meaning out of everything. Meanwhile, Egon is concerned, speaking of the storage unit, he's concerned about the storage unit uh, because it's it's rapidly filling up with ghosts. He's also wondering why are there so many ghosts suddenly showing up in New York City? Yeah. Right? It's, I mean, this film will answer the question because something is happening. And 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 not only is something happening, and, and is obviously it's 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 coming closer and closer and getting worse, 
but the containment system for storing the ghosts is becoming unstable. Now let's go to Thursday night. This is the big date night for yes, Peter and Dana. It is. At Dana's apartment, one of the gargoyle statues cracks, uh, and a claw emerges. So, and we get left with that. So great, right. so, fantastic. This is coming. I'm sure that's not something we're going to see in a few minutes. <laughs> Dana arrives home and informs a disappointed Lewis who's ha- hosting this pretty bumping party. That's right. And he had mentioned it in the very first scene we met him. Hey, I, I mean, you know, Thursday night I'm having this party with all my yeah, ac- accountant there's friends. There's like 20 people there. I mean, it's like swinging. It made me so happy. I said, look at all his friends. Look at all the people that, that are in his life. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's an accountant. And, he, he, yeah, he got and his also client. accountant friends. She informs Lewis that she has a date on the night of the big party. And he's kind of like, oh, he's like, well, maybe we'll come by. And he's, he's like, like well, okay. I guess you can bring him. <laughs> Dana goes into her apartment, starts getting ready for her date with Peter, but she's not going to make it. As she sits on her recliner, uh, she has a brief uh, chair, has a brief phone conversation with her mother. Arms come out of the chair. Suddenly, scary freaking. She arms. gets off the phone with her mom, and these scary arms come out of the chair. Her bedroom door opens, revealing a large dog-like monster—the same one we saw Ugh, in the fridge. It's freaky. And Dana is pulled into the bedroom. Just the, 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 the recliner, just the, the chair it just, just starts moves moving. Yeah. In there. Meanwhile, back at Lewis's apartment, he's running a fairly, like I said, it's, it's swinging in there. <laughs> he's even got like a cute girl in there. I know. That, I was like, uh, I forget what I call her. Like, Miss, Miss Vava Voom, yeah. I called her. The problem I was like, is, okay, is she an accountant? Because yeah, dang. Some new, guests, some new guests arrive, and uh, Lewis takes their coats and puts them in his closet. And we see in the, his closet is one of those. The freaking dog. The same one we saw in Dana's apartment. So yes. it's either the same one or there's more than one. Right. Right? Right. That's what we're looking at now. So I'm like, oh my God. It doesn't take long. No. I think doesn't wait. No. It's not trying to be secretive. No. As soon as he walks out of the, uh, like moments after he walks out of the closet, it just busts out and pursues Lewis. So this thing is focused on Lewis. There's one after Dana, and, and now it, there's this one. Yeah. Or same one. Where, what we find is that there's two. Right. One is after Dana. Mm-hmm. One is now chasing Lewis. It's not just killing people in the in the apartment or just like attacking people in the no. apartment. It's it's targeted. It's targeting Lewis. And this scene scared me as a kid because oh. Lewis is running from this thing like through the city, and there's all these other people around, but this thing is pursuing him. And he gets to this like restaurant, and they won't let him in, and it eventually takes Lewis. Uh, so Dana and Lewis have been captured by these two dog monsters, right? And this is the point where I told Toby, and I'm gonna we're gonna jump forward into the present for just a second, where I said, okay, this actually puts a lot into pers- into perspective for me from Stranger Things, the second season, because if you if you're a fan of Stranger Things, which I think many of you are, because it's very nostalgic, um, they you know they they dress up as the Ghostbusters for Halloween. Um, and this is the season where the demo dogs come into play. Yes. And I had never connected it until now. And I said, oh my gosh, this is really, th- th- this makes a lot of sense that the Stranger Things characters dress up as Ghostbusters. And this is also the season where the demo dogs come on the scene. So I was like, wow, like this is, that's a, that's a pretty neat connection that I'm sure the writers thought of. I'm yeah. sure there's no way. But I don't know. For me, it was kind of like a neat moment of, oh my goodness, I'm connecting these two things. So if you're a Stranger Things fan and a Ghostbusters fan, those two things just kind of go hand in hand. Oh, definitely. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. So uh, Lewis and Dana 
we don't know what's going on with them. Right. Yeah, we just know they've been taken. Right. Peter then arrives to Dana's apartment for their date, and it's clear something is wrong <laughs> uh, when Peter knocks on the door and the door opens, and it's Dana. Dana-ish? But it's not the Dana bear we know. Dana. No, it's not the self-possessed, No, very, you know, put together, like, okay, cool, collected yeah, like, Dana. Like, okay, sure, Peter, I'll, I'll give you a try, right. Peter. Right, she's very cool. No, and this this Dana we're looking at is seductive. Ethereal, like... Yeah, perfect, yeah. Yeah. And... She has this outfit on, and he, he's like, that's a different style for you. She has this off-the-shoulder, flowy and there thing you, on. And you've hit it. That's That's it. Peter said it. That's yeah. a different style for you. That is Peter Venkman talk for something's wrong. Yeah. You have to understand. Now, Ray would have been like, oh, my God, something's the matter with Dana. You right, know? right. Peter. He's like, huh. Huh. This is where Peter Venkman is brilliant. Yeah. And she says, are you the key master? And he goes, no. And she shuts the door. <laughs> so he just goes, he knocks on it again. And she goes, are you the key master? And he goes, yes, yes I am. Yes, yes. So <laughs> now I'm going to hand it over to you. And you can, because, because, you know, she leads Peter in. Yeah. And this is where we see that Peter's like, oh no, he's, he's not. He's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this was the moment. And I'm, you know, it's not that it hasn't happened before. And, you know, with all the montages and things. But for me, this was the moment where I saw, I was like, oh, okay. So, you're actually great at this. You just don't lead with that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, he knew as soon as he walked in, this is not. And here's no, the thing, though. This too. is not Dana. And She's not here. But here's the thing, too. He cares legitimately yeah. about Dana. And it caught him. I think that caught him off guard. Because yeah. he's kind of a. What's funny, what, what's great about this movie is that it, it gives the. The ones who are the the brainiacs, the ner- the nerdy pre- people, the scientists, the the deep thinkers, and it makes them the heroes yeah. and the ones to praise and be sought after. And I love that because that's us. But um, but when Peter goes in and he's talking to her, he through just through his you know his acting, we know he immediately knows he's not here for a date. He is now officially here on business. Right, he and, sees the slime everywhere. Yeah, and when he and when she like you know you know grabs him and stuff, yeah, he's she like, tries to seduce him. He's like, yeah, there's already a there's already two well, or more of you in there. He says, you know what I mean? Well, like, but what he says, he goes, I want to talk to Dana. Yeah, but before that, when she's like, you know, oh, she introduces here. herself. Well, here's the thing: she introduces herself as Zul, and he's she's already mentioned that. Before. Yeah, and he's and he's, he's he's like okay, and then he goes, I want to talk to Dana, and she goes, there is no Dana. There's only no, and then she. <laughs> she says, uh, I want you inside me. Yeah. And he says, I think. There's already two or three of you in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I know this is that. No, that's, you know. It's a little, it's pushing our family friendly no, limit, but it is the line from the movie. <laughs> it is a line from the movie. And we're keeping it family friendly. And we're making this point because this is where like Peter's like, he gets it. He, he, did, kn- he yeah. knows what's going on. I assume, and I remember when I like watching it for the first time. I thought he's going to fall for that bait because he's a total lady. He's a ladies' man, but he didn't. No, he was like, Mm-mm, "That's not what this is." Right. This is possession. Absolutely. And I that was when I was like, "Okay, like it's not that I wasn't Team Vinkman before then because I totally was." Right. But this really made me like, "Okay, you know your stuff, and you know when this is something else right. versus she's just." You think she's into you. 
absolutely. So, so I don't know. I was like proud of Vinkman. I was like, you thought with yeah. the with the right uh, with the right brain he's power. Still, yeah, he's playing along as best he can. Yes, he's still cracking jokes every now and then. But he's, he's still Vinkman. He's clearly disturbed. Yeah, and uh, he knows what he's dealing with. Yeah. So when he is able to kind of get out, get out from under Zul. Slash Literally, Dana slash Zul. Literally, uh, clearly unnerved, as I said. Uh, eventually, Dana slash Zul uh, begins growling and hovering over the bed. And this freak. Now that's what freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, it, because it was her facial expressions and her smile and yeah. very Exorcist vibes. There is no Dana. There's only Zul. I it's did like not growl. enjoy. I did not enjoy yeah. that at all. Upon first viewing it, <laughs> I was like, okay. And that's when we see this awesome. Like, okay, it's funny, and then it's very serious. Then it's very serious, right? I the love peril. It. Yeah. Because, and, because Dana's so, she's beautiful and, and cool, yeah. and like, she's the lady, like, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, a little girl, like, oh, I want to be like her. She's so cool and put yeah. together, and they're like, oh, my God, she's also a demon. You know, it's well, terrifying. If if you can describe Dana slash Zul as ethereal, and she still Well, had, she was for a minute. She still, <laughs> she still had that. But she still had that grace, kind of mm-hmm. when she's walking. She's she was very yeah. You took her you took her very seriously, is what I'm saying. Yes. Well, Lewis <laughs> is also possessed. He does not have the same allure, and he is he's just Lewis on steroids. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> he's just like cracked out Lewis. He is running around New York, freaking people out, calling himself Vin's Clortho. <laughs> The key master of Gozer. And he's, he's still, eh, I'm Vince Clorso. Like, yeah. He's still so goofy. Now remember, Dana slash Zul is looking for the key master saying she's the mm-hmm. gatekeeper. That's what she says she is. So she's looking for the key master and here's Lewis slash Vince calling himself the key master uh, of Gozer looking for the gatekeeper. So we know now this was all connected. The police apprehend um, Lewis slash Vins and take him to Egon, <laughs> whose PKE meter reading is off the chart with Lewis, uh, and then he engages him in a in conversation mm-hmm. where he finds okay the other part of the story right that you know I'm Vince Clortho the keymaster whatever blah blah he blah gives the whole spiel yeah if I can make a, a literary illusion for a second sure this reminded me a bit and maybe it's because we just read it but if we're looking at, you know, Zul, if you will. It reminded me a little bit of Dracula. We have a a Lucy Westenra type. Yes. And, you know, and then we also have a Renfield type. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Lewis. and I feel like Lewis reminds me of Renfield, who was nuts and weird, but clearly afflicted by the same type of issue. Right. But it manifests differently. Yes. And, like, Lucy Westenra, when she's bitten by Dracula, she's... Referred to as like um oh what is it the the blue for lady who's that that means the beautiful lady who right. captures children and she has this ethereal air and then she's horrifying yes and that's exactly what she's like and Renfield's just weird and Renfield's weird and eats flies and eats cats yeah. and but they're all being used by the same but force. they're all being yeah so I couldn't help but notice that literary reference I, they might not have planned that at all or maybe they did but um I don't know to me it was no, it, it made the... me it made me enjoy it that much more. Yeah. So, and then we have our band of uh, we have our band of brothers, right? 
Right. You know, with Janine, she's part of it. You know, like it, it, it all fits. It yeah. Fit yeah. The, if you've read Dracula, illusion. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. So while Egon's talking to Lewis, he gets a call from Peter, who's able to give him the, you know, the, give the whole thing to complete the story. Peter calls and tells Egon about Dana, who he had he had put down with Thorazine to make her sleep. So he injected her. I guess while she was hovering, he injected her with Thorazine. Uh, he at least had something on him. Interestingly enough, the fact that he even had that, the fact that he had it, should tell you that he's he still does not have a, his wits about it. Well, he's not a boy scout, you know. He just acts like he's just very immature. Yeah, he acts like he doesn't have it together, but really he does. But Peter's like, the only way we can figure out what's happening here, basically, is if we get the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper together. He goes, we got to get these two together and see what's happening. Yeah, and Egon's like, ugh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Sounds very dangerous. Ray and Winston, meanwhile, are uh, mobile. They're driving in the Ecto-1, uh, and Ray is making his own discovery about the location of Dana's apartment, which we're going to get to. Yeah. And Ray and uh, Ray and Winston have a really neat conversation. Well, yeah, talking about the Bible. This is again. Well, this is important for Winston. Yes, because exactly. This is why Winston's so important to the group. Mm-hmm. So again, so I guess if you want to say raise the heart, you know, uh, Winston is the um, excuse me, raise the heart. Egon's the brain. Peter's the face and or mouth. Winston is more than just the voice of the audience. Uh, I want to say he's the soul. It's funny because they deal with the spiritual in such an objective way that's important winston brings in the spiritual in a very personal way yeah he says you believe in god because that absolutely comes into play yeah he says have you believe in god he asks ray that Mm -hmm. while they're driving and he goes you believe in god ray and and ray goes never met him yeah that's a scientist i've never met him absolutely never seen him right i need i need facts and winston says i do and he believes that all of this stuff that's happening in New York with the ghosts and stuff is connected to his personal belief in what in Revelation and what the Bible says. Right, in the, the, the judge, you know, Judgment Day. And interestingly enough, Ray knows the exact verse. Yes, the only one he remembers. Yeah, is the exact verse that Winston is talking about. And what's interesting about Zul is that it this is, you know, Mesopotamia. This is that air that that region of the world is where the stuff in the Bible you know, yeah, played out. So Winston isn't connected to this stuff through science. He's connected through faith. Which, which I, if you're dealing with the spiritual, is actually just as important of a skill set to have. Right, which is what I think, which again, it's like, look, this isn't just some guy that needs a job. I mean, yeah, he, that's how he started, but he brings such an important perspective yeah. to the group. Mm-hmm. So that, I thought, was really important for Winston's character. Right, to, and to that, was really the, that was really the only card he had to play as far as what he believed in this realm of nuttiness. Yeah. He, he wasn't a scientist looking for, you know, the brass facts of the spiritual. He came into it with what he believed of the spiritual. Right. And found a way to make a connection between science and faith. Right. Absolutely. Which is huge because generally people say there is no connection, but Winston is that connection, at least for the Ghostbusters. Yeah, definitely. I love it. And that's that's why I think... He's such. He's so important. Right, and, and it, op- it opens up. My, it widens the audience. Yeah, honestly, and he's one of my favorites. So. Yeah. Um, now, at the worst possible time, of course, with everything converging and everything, as it always I mean, does. this whole thing's about to blow. Right. Um, you can feel it. Here comes Peck to Ghostbusters HQ with the police and some city workers and a court order to inspect the ghost storage facility. Peck's an idiot. 
uh, immediately requests the city workers to shut down the storage facility. Now, Peter and Egon are like, now, now Peter's like, don't do this. He's trying to kind of be diplomatic. Right, right. Egon's like, you can't, you know, Peter's like, hey, don't do it. Da, 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 da. He kind of comes in and says, hey, I'm Peter Venkman. I'll cooperate however you want. He's kind of trying to. He's trying to be diplomatic. Venkman's like, no, if you do, if you shut this thing down. He comes gonna, in with the facts. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. And the little worker guy, he's kind of like, oh, God. Like, yeah. he kind of feels caught in the middle. But Peck has him do it anyway. And, of course, he shuts down the containment system for the ghosts. And they all are leave, released. Are yeah. released. And it, and it shoots up this huge beam. Right in line with what Zul and Vince, Dana slash, you know, Lewis, you know, you know. who. Yeah, he said, look for the sign. Look for the sign. So basically what Peck does is what they prophesied would happen. Right. Which, Which goes what, back to, to what Winston was yep. saying. <laughs> so, because uh, the whole thing, Winston's like, what if, what if all these ghosts we're seeing is the dead walking the earth, like it says in Revelation? Yeah. So here come all the ghosts released. Yeah. Terrorizing the city of New York. Literally, the dead walking the earth, right? Yes. So it's it's the, however you want to view it, it's happening. So this whole thing severely damages uh, the Ghostbusters headquarters. And um, the Ghostbusters are arrested. Peck has them arrested while in jail. So it's 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 all the Ghostbusters. This is Winston, Ray, Peter, Egon, all four of them, and all these other prisoners standing around, like like, <laughs> like thirty of them. And Ray lays out his theory to the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Everyone's listening. This is very important. Yeah, the man who designed and built Dana's apartment was a man named Evo Shandor. He worshipped Gozer. And purposefully made the building to be a gate that could be used for Gozer's return. So it's like this spiritual hotspot. And that's why everything was happening in Dana's apartment. That's why Dana and Lewis were chosen. Yeah. To be housed by Vins and, and, and Zul. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly, uh, the Ghostbusters are released when the mayor requests to see them. <laughs> but I love the jail scene. I love yeah. specifically when like Egon and Ray are kind of spouting all the science stuff, and and Peter looks at the prisoners, and goes, "Everybody, get all that." <laughs> like, he's like, "What? Are, what? What are you guys yeah. here for?" <laughs> like, but again, another important thing about Peter is he bring he 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 kind of don't don't li- like for the people who, who don't understand Ray and Egon. He's like, "Listen to me." And even Ray, I mean, even Peter's like, "Can you can you talk to me like you're not right. a super scientist? Like, I need you to tell me in." Very plain terms was yeah, going on. And when he turns to the prisoner and says, everybody get all that, that's his way of saying to Ray and Egon, like, knock that crap off and tell me what's actually going yes, on. Yes, right? for the audience as much as for and, him. But what's interesting is Ray responds. He goes, what I'm saying is your girlfriend has her apartment right in the middle of Spook Central. Yeah. You know, so, and that speaks to Peter, of course, and, and speaks to us as well. But, so anyway, the mayor wants to see the Ghostbusters. Um. And because all these released ghosts are causing chaos, and the police are there, there's a priest there who's like, "Look, I don't know what's going on." You know? Yeah, he's like, "I think it's a sign from it's God." A sign from but God. That's it's off all the he, record. That's all he could say, right? Yeah. The Ghostbusters are able to convince the mayor to let them fix the problem. The mayor releases, agrees to release the Ghostbusters to fight Gozer, and he dismisses Peck. He's like, "Get this guy out of here." Yeah. You know? So I'm they, gonna miss you. Yeah, miss you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, we see Peter's ability. That Egon and Ray and Winston don't have. But here's the thing, though. Winston takes part in helping he does. the mayor. He goes up to the mayor and goes, listen, mayor. He goes, I have like, only... I just, I've been here two weeks. He goes, and I'm telling you, this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. But um, Ray and Egon are not able to 
to do stuff like right. This. Well, because they already they already kind of have a rip. But what as yeah. who they are, so, what they believe, and what they study. Right. But Winston is again the everyman. Mm-hmm. So right. So Winston's able to get the mayor's attention, and Peter drives it. Peter drives it home by yep. saying. You're going to save all these registered voters. Oh, so he man. Gets him with I the know. Pro- I was like, and there it is. So there it goes. So the Ghostbusters are allowed to go and fight Gozer. They put their packs on. They go in. They have to use the stairs. And to- everyone's cheering. This is the moment everyone's like, oh, my God, we love the Ghostbusters. Yeah, the big crowd everyone outside. Everyone is yeah. cheering. The, the Catholics are excited. The Hasidic Jews are excited. All of New York's finest. <laughs> like, it's all of New York is represented in this scene. It's great. Yeah, so... All 22 stories, they hike up to the top of this building. They arrive to see Dana and Lewis transform into the monster dog. So they go from like looking like Lewis and Dana yeah, to... Yeah, he's like, okay, the she's actual, a dog. The actual, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Peter. Okay. And the arrival of Gozer, they they are able to see that as well. Who appears as a, as a menacing woman with red eyes. It's like, well, androgynous. I told well, Toby, I was like, is that David Bowie? <laughs> like, it's just... Very and and I I kind of love that scene because he says I thought he was supposed to be a man and Egon who was like he was like he's you know Gozer's whoever it wants to be right and I love that because it's like it was nothing it was everything and nothing which yes. made sense you know I loved that well she was scary yeah with the with the red eyes I just oh yeah she had this horrifying vo- she had this voice that was awful yeah. <laughs> You know, she asks, uh, Ray is the one that decides to speak to her, and uh, she asks Ray if he's a god. He says no, and she uses this energy blast. She about kills him. She then about, die. She about, yeah. yeah, she about knocks him off the building. And this is where Winston, this is what I was talking <laughs> about with, like, again, Winston's ability. He goes, Ray, next time somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not thinking, like, yeah. No. Really... He's like, what? That's the facts. The facts are I'm not a god. Right. I'm there like, we no, go. This dude. is why Egon Make some stuff up. You need, you know, Peter. You need Winston, you know. Um, so, anyway, they decide, you know, Ghostbusters regroup, and they confront Gozer again with their proton packs. Uh, they engage. They attack. Gozer's easily able to dodge them and disappears. Yes. And asks, and we just hear her voice, or his voice, whatever Gozer is. It's voice. Gozer asks the Ghostbusters to choose the form of the Destructor. And Peter turns to the gang and says, don't choose anything. Just clear, clear your mind. Don't think of anything. Gozer immediately proclaims the choice has been made. And Peter's <laughs> like, wait a minute, we didn't say anything, we didn't think anything. But Ray looks very <laughs> guilty, troubled, and guilty. A rumble is heard from far off. Ray says, basically, You're like, what did you do? I thought of something that because like, I couldn't help it; it just popped into my mind. Because I thought of something that would be harmless, and you know, it wouldn't possibly yeah. you know, destroy us. And we see from the distance, approach, the iconic, yeah, approaching the building. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> With a sweet, happy smile. Yeah, and he's like, hey, and I remember thinking, I remember I liked him yeah. as a kid. I loved the Stay Puffed Marshmallow yes. Man because he was so like, hey. Hey, guys, I'm going to kill you. He looks so nice, right? Yeah. But he's coming to destroy. The world, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's coming to begin that. It is the end of days. Yeah, this giant marshmallow, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, uh, approaches and attacks the building. The Ghostbusters uh, fire their proton packs. It doesn't work. I mean, it, it does. It sets them on fire a little bit. It sets them on fire a little bit, but ultimately, uh, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man uh, <laughs> continues to climb up the building. Egon has one final desperate plan to cross the streams. This will cause a particle reversal. 
that they believe will send Gozer back, uh, though it might kill them in the process. And this is the heroic moment yeah. because they do stand next to each other and they all are like, okay, look, it's been great. You know? Yeah, sacrificial hero moment. Yeah. Uh, even Peter's This is like, very oh. much the hero's journey, I might add. They yeah. go into the abyss and emerge. Yes. They do it. They cross the streams, firing one massive stream of energy from their packs at Gozer's Gate, where she came out of at the top of the building, causing this massive explosion. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I mean, he's gone. Uh, the Destructor, I guess yes. you could say. Uh, we just see Stay Puffed Marshmallow flying everywhere. <laughs> and guess who gets hit by a massive thing of it? Our good friend Peck. Yep. Ha-ha. Yeah, he gets hit. Uh, and I go back to Steve's notes where uh, in 2010, William Atherton in, a, in an interview talks about this moment. Uh, because when, when there's the big explosion, and, and for all we know, could have killed the Ghostbusters. Right, you know? right. But we just see the explosion, and suddenly we just see Marshmallow falling out of the sky. Yeah. And, and Peck gets just nailed with a massive <laughs> amount of it. This is what he said. Uh, and it was, again, thanks to Steve for this. He says, the shaving cream that was used for the melted marshmallow was still quite heavy. We had the eighth grade science test. He said, oh, I, I went under the bag and asked how much shaving cream is in there. They said, not that much. So I said, well, how much does it weigh? It's about 75 pounds, but, sh- but it's shaving cream. You know, the whole thing about the 75 pounds of feathers and 75 pounds of lead. He goes, right. it's about the same thing. Oh, no. He says, so we can figure out what's going. He says, so we can figure out what's going to happen with this. So they put some poor stunt guy underneath to show the sissy actor. Okay, nothing's going to happen. So they unleashed it and, oh, it, f- no. and it flattened him. <gasps> so they took out the shaving cream oh, and no. I, I went in very, very happily and was slimed. Oh, my so God. William Ashton took one for the team, but he made it, he, he had him take out half them. <laughs> yeah. So he did. That was actually William Atherton. Wow. That, that it was that was actually Peck that got you know slimed. It was actually the actor. Great. So it's gone. Yeah, it works. It Crossing works. the streams, yep. closes they, the gate, yeah. destroys the destructor. I don't wouldn't say it probably killed Gozer, but it definitely at least sent it back to where sent it needed Gozer to go. back to whatever parallel universe it lived in. Right. <clears throat> uh, amazingly, the Ghostbusters survive. They're covered in in Stay Puffed Marshmallow. They find that Dana... Except for Vinkman. He's yeah. only slightly slimed. Yeah. Or well, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they find that Dana and Lewis survived as well. Uh, they were trapped in like... Like the... I guess like the petrified yeah, dog... Yeah. They bust casing. Dana and Lewis out and are back to themselves. As they leave the scene of chaos, Winston screams the last line of the film. I love this town. <laughs> the film ends as the Ghostbusters leave the apartment building... And out into the town to the cheers of New York City. And we get one final glimpse of Slimer flying by. letting of us course. Letting us know that it might not be quite over. Of course it isn't. Of course not. Never is. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. So, um, I love this movie. It's so good. I want to do some uh, takeaways real quick. And I want to thank Steve again. He gave me some takeaways. Yes, so, Steve, thank you. you're here, but I know you're not here, but you are here. Yes. Of course. So I'm going to start with, with with some of his takeaways from um, from Ghostbusters. And I, again, I just want to say thanks to him because uh, it really did help us with our discussion. Yeah. Uh, I really like this. He goes the theme that that, of, that you can conquer anything with a great team together, and that's so true. Yeah. Much of what we talked about tonight was how uh, we we find Ray, Egon, Peter, and Winston as these individuals, but they they're need... so different, but they they need each other. Yeah. Um. And he talked about um, 
of course, the awesome quotable lines again. Yeah. I still make this joke. Uh, <laughs> I, I stole this from Peter Venkman. Whenever I hear somebody explain something that not everybody understands, I always go, did everybody get that? Did y'all get all that? You guy? really do do that. <laughs> <laughs> everybody with us on that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's true. It's so quotable. Um, and he also mentions um, the, uh, the, the special effects, which, yeah. were, which were practical because, again, we still, you know, pr- the use of practical special effects because, again, we still weren't right. in this use of, like, full CGI and stuff. No, so. I love that there was some puppetry, um, but then also mixed in with, you know, el- you know preliminary CGI or whatever it was that they used. And this final one from Steve that he talked about, this is another little tidbit. The hundreds of extras at the end, uh, in the ending scenes yelling Ghostbusters made the studio get the rights to the name. Nice. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Thanks again to Steve. Yes, thank you. He'd probably love to be here to talk about it. I know. So, yeah. Um, maybe sometime. Who knows? Uh, I'd do Ghostbusters again if, if if we could talk to Steve about oh, it. Oh, totally. But, yeah. So, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? I just, I mean, I just love, I just, you know, I, I love a good ensemble movie. Oh, yeah. I love a movie where we're dealing with a team or a group, you know, that works together for the common good. I think it's so much fun. I, I mean, what what can you say? Oh, I love I, all these And guys. I like it in a movie like this, yeah. the, the heroic slash comedy, because I, I, I wouldn't want to deal with a situation where one of them died. No. And, well, you know, because when you have some of these movies, you know, people yeah. die, and, and, and deaths are important. They move the story forward. I'm just, but sometimes it's like, you just want to have a good time. Yeah. You Everybody wanna, makes it. Everybody's fine. Right. And I just but they were say, will, but but they were willing to do that. They were willing to die for yeah. the greater good. Even Vinkman, who we know is a bit more self-absorbed than the others, you know. And I also want to point out that I love um, Janine's crush on Egon. I know we didn't really talk about yeah. that, but I think that's adorable. Yeah, and 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 we talked about that because what was interesting is in Ghostbusters Two, she hooks yeah. up with Lewis, and it's kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, but I believe in the new one, it's. Her child with Egon, right? I I don't know. I think it. Well, I know that Janine's in it. I know that. And that, I know yeah. that it's Egon's kid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's speaking Egon's of kid, Egon, yeah. uh, I would you know I'd be remiss if we didn't end the show without just saying how much I miss Harold Ramis. Oh man. And uh, how I I would give almost anything to yeah. to, to to have him in this next film, have I a, know. to have him back in general, in some but, capacity. Yeah, not just to see him in Ghostbusters, but you know when when people pass, they're yeah. gone. You know, and they're at least they're gone from this from from, from this, this plane. from this side of things. Yeah, and, and um, so you know, so yeah, rest in peace, Harold Ramis. You know, all right. Well, um, it's been great. We've enjoyed <laughs> it. Tell, tell why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? All right. Well, if you're on Instagram, we are at the Tape Store. That's where we spend most of our time. Uh, we're also on TikTok by the same name. If you have Twitter, we're the Tape Store Pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, we are the Tape Store Podcast at gmail dot com. And of course, uh, as always, it's been a little over an hour. If you've been with us this whole time, that's really awesome, and we love you, and we thank you, and we thank you, and we appreciate your time. It's valuable. It's limited. We of all people know um, how limited time is and how valuable it is. And if you decided to spend it listening to this little podcast, we just want you to know um, we absolutely appreciate you. Give us a shout out. And if you have some time, give us a rating. It does mean a lot. And until, well, and without further ado, whatever, (laughs) however you say it, um, (laughs) until next week, we're going to go ahead and head out. Uh, So we will see you next Thursday. Yep. Another spooky 
Another spooky episode. week. We'll let you know what it is. Yeah, it'll be great. So see you then. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. Bye, everyone. Bye.